Hello, welcome to the Smarticle Podcast. Each day on the show, we take an interesting idea or topic and dissect it. All we ask of you is that you give us 15 minutes so that we can entertain you. And maybe, just maybe, you might learn something new. Welcome to Smarticle. Grab your tissue. You've already given Brandon a big stack. Today is a tearjerker. But first, five seconds of silence. Okay, that was five seconds, Brandon. Wow, nice job, Larry. Nice job. You actually got to five seconds. I watched it. Here we go. Here's the headline from the New York Times. Hank Azaria writes a piece entitled, To Matthew Perry, God was a bunch of drunks in a room. Brandon, I know you can't give the woke a magometer because this is just an opinion piece. Hank Azaria, just for the record, was a really good friend of Matthew Perry, the big-time actor who passed away recently. He's also a genius comedian, and he is Mo from Simpsons, so... He's Mo from Simpsons. He yeah. was in, like, what other movies was he in? He was in... He's been in everything, bro. He's been... He was in The Birdcage. He's... Birdcage. He was in, what was that, wedding movie, The Junket. Hank Azaria is, is a comedic genius. I just think he's yeah. amazing. I didn't know he was an alcoholic, anyways. Yeah, and he was in just some show recently where he had to play an alcoholic after getting yeah. sober uh, in real life. So, the dude's legit. This is Hank Azaria in the New York Times. Matthew Perry took me to my first AA meeting in 2005. Matthew quit booze a few years before. We went to this very big gathering. We walked in, and I swear it seemed like there were a thousand people in there. He knew the look on my face, daunted. It's very hard to imagine how going into a room like this is somehow going to make you want to stop drinking or make you feel better. And he looked at me and said in his Matthew half-joking, very loving way, it's something, isn't it? God is a bunch of drunks together in a room. He meant that as bad as we feel, as low as we go, we tend to feel we're alone in it, whether our problem is alcoholism, bad marriage, illness, depression, strife. We feel that we're the only ones who has ever gone through it. In recovery, we call it terminal uniqueness. By going into a room with a few or a lot of other people and sharing, saying out loud what it is that's upsetting us and hearing from others that we feel, well, maybe we're not alone. In fact, at time, what we become sure of is that the most unfortunate, terrible thing we face are actually our greatest strength, and they connect us together with others. And all of this seemingly pointless suffering actually has a tremendous point. So I can't prove this, Brandon. But what I feel like I'm hearing in this article and what I've learned in my life is God wants human beings together, and the internet and everything else in life is pushing us further and further apart. Absolutely. This article, you sent it to me this morning. We were going to do something else, and I don't know. You must saw it in the Times today. It actually got me a little little, little misty. I'm not going to lie. I, I, it brings up a lot of most people in this audience probably have somebody they know or they themselves have struggled with something, whether yep. it's addiction to alcohol or drugs or pornography or whatever. And you know, food it, it can be an addiction. So anybody that struggles with things, either you yourself or somebody you know. So this is a very universal topic. It's that, you know, we, we oftentimes don't address it universally. We're like, oh, this person has a problem. It's like, well, no, everybody around them has a problem because this person has a problem. I remember when my dad got to the end of his life, my dad was never a heavy drinker his whole life. Never. Didn't even, we didn't even have beer in our house when we were a kid growing up. It just wasn't a thing. He became an alcoholic at the end of his life, and I'm convinced part of it was because he was depressed. He retired too early. He lost motivation. My stepmom was a drinker, so they drank together. But at the end, I would challenge him like, Pops, 
you got to stop drinking, man. This is not good. It's killing you. And his whole thing was like, oh, you know, you're making it, you're making too big of a deal. It's not true. We don't blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it, it just reminded me this article that so oftentimes people with addictive issues feel like they're alone. Like if my dad could have gone it. to a meeting yep. and met with other people that were like that him. Were orphans. Life that were have, orphaned as he was. Exactly. If he had gone through something like this, his life would have been better. And it wasn't because he could never get away from his, what did they call it? Um, terminal uniqueness. I think that yeah. that loneliness that one feels when they are struggling with this because they don't want to confess it or they don't want to. One of the things about Alcoholics Anonymous, you got to confess it. And that's a hard thing. He paints this great picture, just sort of like your dad and a lot of other people. You're sad about something. You start drinking. You do it alone. And you're by yourself. And then a friend like Hank Azaria grabs your hand and takes you to a giant room. Mm -hmm. And now you're having to confess all of your biggest fears in front of a large group. I can't think of a bigger dichotomy. of, And it probably, like, like he was saying, it's like, you're just overwhelmed. You're like, I can't do this. Well, and it must be even more difficult for a person like Hank Azaria or Matthew oh, McCall, well, you yeah. know, because they're famous, right? So they're yeah. going into a room, and you know that this is a lot of people that are famous. And I was struck by this immediately, is that addiction is probably even harder for people that are successful and wealthy or people that have a modicum of success because they don't want to admit, you know, that we live in a culture of uniqueness, right? It's all, what have I done? I've built my own company. I've done this. I've done that. To admit that you cannot control something, I think is harder in America than probably anywhere else in the world. To admit that you are a failure. In a sense, you are a failure. Now, a lot of recovery people would say, listen, man, this is a disease. You, The second you took that first drink, you were on your way to this. Yeah. This has nothing to do with what you, could, you were strong enough to beat or whatever. I have a friend that just re- got out of recovery and is doing really, really well, and I'm grateful for that but i know that it is a lifelong journey yeah it doesn't end just because you get done with recovery you have to fundamentally change your life in order to recover well you know this better than me because you're a recovering catholic (laughs) one of the main things that you see in the movies is confession right and we know this because we go to church just saying something out loud so you're drinking by yourself alone with nobody you're hiding all of your issues just going to anyone could be one person and just saying Here's my problem. Just saying it out loud actually makes all of the difference in the world. Confessing. Yeah, and it's also finding people that can be open and understanding in that confession. So what I mean by that is he was able, Hank Azari was able to go to Matthew Perry because Matthew Perry was an addict. He understood. There's that famous story in the Ragamuffin Gospel where Brennan Manning, who, if you haven't read the Ragamuffin, I re-went to the Ragamuffin Gospel because it's so powerful. Such a great book. No, I mean, seriously. He goes to this meeting. This guy gets in there. He'd been sober for 20 years. He admits in this meeting that he had had relapsed. And Manning says, basically, the room went silent for like 10 seconds. He was so silent that the coffee pot was too loud. And then everybody came and surrounded this person because everybody in that room understood what it was like to struggle like this. So those thousand people that Hank Azaria came into relationship with on that day, every one of them understood. None of them were going to judge Hank Azaria for being an alcoholic because they were an alcoholic or a drug or whatever they were. That's the power of AA. And that's why it works for so many people because it, it gives you that 
chance to confess your sins to people that are not going to judge you for those sins. They will judge you for not stepping forward. They will judge you for uh, not working the plan, but they will not judge you for falling down. That's not going to happen. You also have to name your higher power. So some call it God. Mm -hmm. Matthew Perry did not want to call it God. He didn't like that. So he came up with his line. God is a bunch of drunks together in a room. That is the divine for Matthew that made something bigger than himself want to be a part of something else. And I just like, you have to name, like, so people, you know, you know, atheists, there, there is no God, there is no nothing. Well, there's a lot of atheists that went through AA. You have to turn something, it has to be bigger than you or it doesn't matter. Right, doesn't because matter. you obviously screwed it up. You need something outside of yourself yes. to take care of this. I, so I read that. I went back to the Ragamuffin Gospel this morning. I, I oh. haven't read it in years, but there's a quote in there that I want to read. And that's, obviously oh, this isn't this... a Christian show. Bear with me, Larry. I know that it bothers okay. you to get close to the truth. Okay. The, mature, the mature Christian I have met along the way are those that have failed and have learned to live gracefully with their failure. That's a big part of this whole thing. Can we live gracefully with our failure? Can we say, man, I effed up. I messed up. I think about it like, People that get caught cheating on a spouse and end up getting divorced and they're broken, they're a mess, they lose their kids and everything. That, for a lot of people, is kind of a death sentence. But can you live with that failure with grace and saying, yeah, I don't know if my family's ever going to forgive me for what I did, but I'm going to do the best I can to make amends for what I did. I'm going to, with, with no expectation that I'm ever going to be forgiven, but can I move myself forward with that graceful faith that if I just put one foot in front of the other and confess my sin to whatever that looks like, to whomever you are, that there will be growth, there will be healing that will come from that. Yeah, and he talks about it, that Hank was saying that you somehow have to be able to joke about it eventually. You have to be able to... Well, that was what he was saying for himself because he was a comedian and he said humor is a big part of recovery. And, you know, for him, humor's... I mean... The funniest people, we all know, if you've paid attention to comics or funny people, they're all messed up. They derive their humor from the brokenness of their lives. Who's the funniest person me and you know? Uh, Woman, psychologist. KP. I'm not saying their name out loud. Okay. She is the smartest, quickest, like she will just wicked rush you. Yeah. But I mean, that comes from. It comes from a lot of hurt in her life. And absolutely. And she would be saying that too. I mean, I think that I derive a lot of my humor that's why I can't take things too seriously sometimes. I have to stop myself, be like, be serious in this, because part of my coping mechanism is to find humor in the absurd. And I think that that's what he's saying, is finding humor in the absurd yes. makes you part of a bigger picture, right? That you're not perseverating on something small. You're just saying, that's just ridiculous. Let's laugh at it and move on. To me, though, that is believing in the higher power, that it's so absurd that you're just giving it over to whatever that is. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to this. There's, there's a lot of things. I mean, we don't want to, we, we are not recovery specialists, although we play them on the, mm-hmm. on this podcast, <laughs> but there are a lot of factors in recovery and there's a lot of factors in addiction. But his point to this was he was paying homage to his friend who helped him. And by the way, relapsed after that. Yeah. This is so beautiful in that, you know, we, we talked about Matthew Perry in the obit a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He was a young man, 24 years old, gets famous, rich, does all of what the debauchery that you can imagine in Hollywood, struggles with it forever, finally sort of seemingly gets his life back together, then dies early from what looks like a drowning incident. And Hank Azaria, his friend who he took out of that, writes this just beautiful 
opinion piece in the New York Times. It is like the picture that it paints. It's an homage, is, is what it is. It's, he's it's paying just, an homage to Matthew Perry. I mean, it's this this great circle of life for me that Matthew's story in life gets to be painted in this beautiful picture by Hank, saying he took me to this meeting and it changed my life only because I could confess my badness to all of these other people. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Well, he says this thing in the article at the end. He says, I was unfortunate to have needed his help or fortunate, depending on how you want yeah. to look at it. And I yeah. think I would d- say that it is absolutely fortunate that you need someone else's help. That life is can be a very, very lonely place unless you can actually accept the fact that you are a wreck. And that guess what? Everybody around you is a mess. Yeah. So, you know, when we, the person that, that sort of presents as the most with it and most together they tend to be the least with it and least together, but they present. So all I'm saying is do not compare yourself to other people because everybody's a wreck. And lastly, too, the one thing that I've learned from our great friend Richard Rohr is that everything belongs. Like all of the bad stuff that you've done in your life. Yeah, absolutely. It's not meaningless. The universe will use that for goodness if you can confess and come around on it. And I think a lot of you're saying like some people just can't get back past all of the bad things they've done in their life. No, the universe actually will use that for good if you let it. So here's what I'm going to challenge our audience today. Uh-oh. I challenge them, Larry. This I hope is you're being talking serious. to my mom. This is being serious. Great. I think everybody that listens to this show should go out and confess something to someone they trust oh. this week. It doesn't have to be alcoholism or whatever, but you will find peace in that confession. So whether you go to a priest or to a close friend, confess something that's been on your heart that you've struggled with. I think you will be better off for it. God is a bunch of drunks together in a room Brandon, thank you for your challenge today.